Welcome to the Alpha Pack Podcast. When you hear the word alpha, what comes to mind? Is it a lone wolf who goes his own way? Or maybe it's a powerful leader who bulldozes over the competition. Well, what if we told you that true alphas aren't lone wolves intent on tearing people down? They're actually dominant leaders who never back down from the challenge of improving the lives of everyone around them. As part of the Alpha Pack, we believe that no leader should be on their own. They need a pack of people keeping them accountable, challenging them, and encouraging them to be the best that they can possibly be. Join us as we hear incredible stories from industry leaders about how to become an alpha that will settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way they found it. Are you ready to learn what it takes to become a true alpha? Then pull up a chair, because you have a seat at the table as part of the pack. This is the Alpha Pack Podcast. All right, here we are back on Alpha Pack Podcast. I'm excited to have a conversation with, with everyone today. Um, today, we are talking about, again, the topic of audacity, but we're trying to pull back a little bit from the uh, topic of audacity and talk about it more in a macro sense. In that sense, it's fun. Uh, the family and I are coming to you um, to this conversation today from Japan, uh, from a surfing village on the coast of Japan called Shimoda. We are finishing up one of our trips that we do. We try to get done annually. Um, we were in Tokyo for a while and we were in Kyoto for a while. And now we're down at a surfing beach village. It's actually largely kind of uninhabited. So it's kind of the sleepy little surfing village. It, it doesn't have many restaurants. We've made friends with like the local pizza guy and the local ramen guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, Does pizza but what, in Japan taste the same as I'm used to having pizza taste? Eh, somewhat. They put corn on it a lot. Like what? it's funny. Like uh, there's there's a lot of things, man. There's a lot of we can spend a lot of things like observations from Japan. They're really into mayonnaise a lot more than you would think. Like <laughs> like savory oh, mayonnaise. <laughs> I was ready for octopus, you know, and soy, but mayonnaise, huh? And they don't do a lot of salt. It's interesting. They're more into like savory than salty. Hmm. Like hmm. which maybe is that umami or I don't know whatever, but. But anyways, all that to say, that we could we could spend the whole time so, talking so about wait a second. I think it's There's fascinating. Mayonnaise on the pizza? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this, no, this that's, is, that's a non-starter for me. Exactly. I, that, I don't know. That's I a deal breaker. So yeah. uh, I'm willing to give it a shot. But okay, wait, but, but there's a, corn also. But anyway. That's a but, good frame into what we're talking about, though, John. <laughs> because, because, okay, you could talk about um, – Hey, let's let's have some fun. But like, let me just call out what what you didn't say because people who don't know you might not get this. This isn't like a weekend trip. This isn't even a week trip. You guys spend the better part of a month every year in some totally out of your norm environment and just immerse yourself in the culture. Yep. Like, which the reason I bring that up is because okay, one, it's like oh, Japan's cool. Most people don't think to go there for vacation, but but even the type of vacation, the length of the vacation, the way you guys do it. It is, uh, it's audaciously different from any other normal American vacation, which, which is part of what prompts this conversation today. Because yeah, by the I mean, rest of us are not in Japan with Jonathan, thanks to the wonders of the internet. He's, uh, what time is it there for you, dude? It's, 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 it is 10.40 in the morning. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so yeah, to that end, to, to just kind of put some flesh on the bones, like my family, is, this is our fourth trip that we've done this. We do not pack any checked luggage so we do backpacks um we basically buy plane tickets you do almost a month of travel with a 
single backpack per person. No, that's, that's my right. favorite part of this is like, you can only bring what you can carry. That's I right. think that's so boss. Listen, never work for my family. I, I'm not going to name names, but there's, there's more than one person in my family who can't make a, a weekend trip without a checked bag. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah, that is that, a that the massive carry on, right? Like then, yeah. So, yeah. so we do that. Then we we basically buy plane tickets, and we choose the cities we're going to be in, and we buy an Airbnb based on reviews. Basically, like it's got to be, you know, it's got to have some reviews. It can't be a janky place. But then we basically like that's all the planning we have, and we are on our twenty second day in Japan now. Pretty cool. Um, so we land in Tokyo. We get Google Maps out and go, okay, now I've got a, I've landed in Tokyo. Now I have to figure out what public transportation or walking I have to do to get to the Airbnb that I've never really seen before. And this year was unique because we don't speak, none of us speak Japanese. Like, yeah. So, okay. So hold on. Not- I think we need to, I think we need to go back a little bit. It's like the evolution, like walk us through how you got here yep. because this sounds yep. crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, this, I think, I think pretty sure in the first season of Alphabet, I went through this a little bit with my story, but um, I'm a missionary kid, grew up overseas, uh, you know, in South America as a kid. So it was a good experience for me. And really, I think the best part of the experience was really um, living in a culture different than America, not to say good, not to say bad, honestly, just different. Um, They think about things differently. I mean, we, I think we've maybe even touched on this in other regards. Um, Speaking in another language, I think can open up even different parts of your brain in the sense it just causes you to think differently. So the genesis of all this was, uh, you know, I had kind of naively thought in high school that I would get married to someone international and have an international life and, and then I got married to a very American uh, young woman who had no interest in travel. Um, but then, you know, I think 12 to 13 years into our marriage, we said, you know, let's do an experiment where let's go to Costa Rica, where I grew up for a year, for a month, and let's see how that goes. And kind of that on that idea of a lark, we started doing this thing. And it was a scary, it was a scary prospect. Um we've, we've, we've scared ourselves, I would say on that. Like we stayed in a, in, I would say a rough looking neighborhood in Costa Rica. It was, we got there and well, and before we even went down, we bought tickets with round trip tickets and we were going to be, we were going to be there for 28 days. And we said, if we get there and two days in, we hate it. Then we've got 26 more days to figure it out. And ironically, ironically, we got there in two days and we're like, we're really freaked out. And like, and it was kind of almost quasi prophetic. We're like two days in, we were like, we did not leave the house. And we basically went shopping all freaked out because the food ran out. Like we ran out of food, like at the house. (laughs) So we decided like, well, all right, I guess we're going to go get groceries. And, you know, and by the end it was, you know, this is my favorite short story. I'll tell it again because I think it's a fun one. We took two weekends away. The first weekend we did a trip up to the mountains from the main thing. And we got like an end to end, like kind of private uh, transportation. It was like a hundred dollars a person or something like that to the mountains. It was from a hotel to a hotel. So it was like 500 bucks for all of us to go. Um, And the next weekend we went to the beach and my wife, who is very American, who had not traveled at all, was okay with the mountain. But then the second weekend, she's the second weekend, she's like, I think we can just do it ourselves. So we ended mm-hmm. up buying three dollar 
bus public bus tickets and went on a $3 bus to the beach. And on the way there, we had a stop in the middle where we ate meat on a stick, which I'm not quite sure what meat that was, but it was delicious. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, and then based on that one, you know, it's funny, like, so we did that one and, you know, the goal of it always was, Hey, let's do Costa Rica, see if it works. It worked. We did France. Um, that really worked. COVID really kind of shut everything down for a while. And then we did Italy and now we're in Japan. But the reason we're in Japan is specifically we wanted to continue to push the bounds of we wanted to get scared again. So in the sense that this year was the first year where we were like, okay, Europe is fun. It's cool to there's plenty to learn, plenty to understand, but but it's not necessarily something that we haven't done before. So we need to go back and do something again that is well outside the comfort zone. So let's try it again. Let's go to Asia where we are we don't know anything about the culture. We don't know anything about the language. How's it going to work? So that's what we're doing. And it's been, it's been great. That's awesome, man. All right. So bring me back to the idea we kind of started with was, which was kind of going back to this theme on audacity. And we talked about being audacious in little ways and being audacious in big ways. I think it's a really timely question with you literally being on the other side of the world in a country where you don't speak the language. What are you learning about or, or, or maybe what have you learned about audacity from this trip or past trips like this? Yeah, I mean, and this is and this is something I think we all have elements of, but you know, I think we we're talking maybe the difference between micro audacity kind of your day-to-day and and macro audacity. So I would say this trip is an exercise in macro audacity in the sense that it's trying something that's just considerably off the beaten path. And and I think the thing that I got so excited about and I continue every time we do this I get excited about it is that I like, I like shortcuts. I like do low effort, large output things. And what's really struck me in this trip is that when you have the road less travel, when you take the road less traveled, it can be more difficult. In, in fact, oftentimes it is. When you take the more, if you will, macro audacious path, it can be more difficult. But at the same time, there are so many more opportunities that are just waiting there because the path is less traveled. Like, because the path is less traveled, like, there's things that, like, oh, did you realize this? Did you realize that? Did you realize this? Did you realize that? And you're like, man, how could, like, the the road very traveled, going that analogy, is really picked over. Like, everyone's taking that road. So, like, it's like, there's not a lot of gaps that haven't been looked at, evaluated, you know, considered. And then when you take this road not traveled, like, we're in a beach town where there's hardly any Americans here. Like I think in Kyoto, in Tokyo, the neighborhood we were in, I did not see another person that looked like us the whole time. So the opportunity to talk to people like in stores and whatever, really is kind of one of those things is like, we are defining what some of these people's interactions with Americans are about. Like we, when we were in Kyoto, here's a funny story. We went to a bakery every morning because there's a little bakery and they have like Japanese bakeries. Um, and we we got talking to him. They didn't speak any English. And they're like, "Where are you from?" We're from USA. And he's like, "What Georgia?" And he's like, "Oh, is your husband a cowboy?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, <laughs> not exactly. No, no, not really a cowboy." But but I mean, honestly, I mean, it wasn't. A, they weren't joking. Like they were like, "Oh, Americans, you must be a cowboy." And I'm like, 
No, not not really. So they we probably were like the only Americans they had really had kind of a somewhat personal relationship with. And so, so hold, hold on, let me let me interrupt for a second. So I went to London in the summer of 2000 uh, with my good friend, Michael Dixon, and we're standing at a coffee shop in London. No, no, we're standing in a McDonald's in London and about to order. And these two like middle school kids are standing behind us and they can tell we're not from London. Right. And so they ask us, they're like, are you on holiday? And I was like, holiday, holiday, uh, vacation. Uh, Yes, yes, we are on holiday. Uh, And I said, have you ever been to America? And he said, oh, no, they shoot three kids a day there. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? In in 2000, that was their perception of America is is just just we execute three kids a day. Only in Texas, right? <laughs> Only in Texas, Only in Texas. right? <laughs> I mean, the, the 2023 Kyoto person, they're like, you're a cowboy, right? And I'm right. like... You, must, you, you probably ride a horse to work. Right. Well, so, so, but let's tie that back. And I'm really interested to see kind of how other ways you guys are think about this, but also just kind of how it relates to being an alpha. Like, is one of those mm. things, like, you know, it's funny to go, oh, you're from Georgia. Are you a cowboy? And you can chuckle at that and whatever those things kind of thing. But that means that in that neighborhood, whether in Kyoto or in Tokyo or even here in Shimoda, I'm like, the ability for me to bring a American perspective, a futurist perspective, uh, mm. just to be like, just to be like, hey, look, you guys have been doing these things forever in this neighborhood like have you ever considered doing it a little differently not saying your way is bad but have you ever considered it this way like i could be introducing ideas that are completely alien that we would go well that's just common sense nope not where i am not where not where i'm sitting today and i think that's just one of those ways where it's an illustration of what i'm talking about from a macro audacity perspective i am in a place where not many Americans go because they just don't go here. So I'm doing a road less traveled and the opportunities because it's a road less traveled are just seemingly everywhere. And I think that that is a, a pointer to a larger thing of macro audacity in the sense that it's like, not only is this, and you know, it, it's funny while we're here, I'm reading the magic of thinking big and I, in the, it's a good mm, book. I've a good read book. a little bit. But, you know, it's just like, I think even from the intro, it's just like one guy selling more and it's like, what's the difference? He's not, he's not any smarter. He doesn't have better leads. He just thinks bigger. And -hmm. it's just kind of one of those things, like basically that's what it is. And so I do think that micro audacity in our day to day, how do we talk to our kids? How do we talk to our spouse? How do we think about, you know, getting up in the morning, those kind of things, those are all super important, but I do really like the idea to explore like, what about macro audacity? And I think that this is really sprinkled through and marbled through so many of our conversations that we have. Um, you can probably hear it coming out in some of the other podcasts, but just being like, if this is so singular and this is so different, how can we evolve this? How can we celebrate each other's macro audacity? How can we encourage it? And then almost kind of one of those things like in my world, it's like, how do I live this more regularly? Mm-hmm just just to to have higher not only to have higher impact you know more full rich life quote unquote but also just more in the sense that like 
how do I be in places where like my perspective is cannot and will never be heard unless I come here. Like in the United Mm -hmm. States, in Atlanta, there's tons of people like me. They look like me. They talk like me. I mean, well, maybe not. Tons of people. I, I would hope to think I'm a little more singular than that. <laughs> no, no, um, nobody we're looks on a like podcast you, Jonathan. Called, yeah. we're, we're, we're on a podcast called Alpha Pack, so I hope I hope I hope there's some distinctions. But, there's at least three others, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But over here, it's just like it's like man, even like you know, plain Jane, normal, like everyone would be like, oh yeah, that's common sense, could have huge impact over here. And I just think it's kind of one of those things, like. What are the other things that we could be considering and thinking, you know, not, a, not that this is a workshop, but in some ways, like, how are you guys thinking in a macro audacity? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'd like to jump on that and maybe expand the conversation, ask Jay and Scott, and, and I'll think of my answer, too. It's like, what are some ways in which you have demonstrated macro audacity? I think Jonathan's given us a great example of, like, travel, right? Like, let's not just get on a cruise ship and go to the Bahamas like everybody else does. Again, nothing wrong with that, but is there an opportunity to do something a little bit more off the beaten path? Um, yeah, I, I'll say, I'll say yeah. I rephrase it because I'm, I'm processing it. So micro audacity might be like, when you go on vacation, do you do you, what, what do you choose to do on that vacation? Macro audacity is what kind of vacation do you choose to do? Or, or mm. another way of saying it might be like, how do you play the game? Are you audacious in how you play the game? That's micro audacity. Macro audacity is like, well, what game are you playing? What are you mm. even attempting to win at? And I, I mean, gosh, I, I could talk about a dozen different ways, but the game lingo for me is how I've been talking about some of my career. Um, so we've had this conversation. I've talked with each of you guys privately about this. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast yet, but but some of where I'm headed now with my career and what I'm aiming for is totally different than I used to because I used to think, because I had no exposure to anything else, I used to think the pinnacle of business career, influence, success, the, the chance to make the biggest difference was being CEO. Like, man, mm-hmm. someday I got the CEO and they try to get in a bigger company. And so top position in a bigger company. And that, that's the game. So you win the game. And then I kind of discovered, oh, wait, there's a whole other game. That's the owner investors, um, the board members, the stockholders. Uh, and I don't mean like um, public company buying stock. I mean, like, you know, we control the company stockholders, um, not I'm a passive investor on the side. And so like the owner game, uh, private equity, angel investors, all this kind of stuff, VCs, venture capitalists, like the people who get the money and then pick the team and the team is the CEO, that probably actually fits me even better than CEO. And the audacity to say, wait a minute, I'm going to stop chasing the CEO track as my main thing. Because I would say that's probably the the more trod path to use Jonathan's deal. Like there's a lot of people talking about how do I get to the, you know, the, the executive level and get, get become an executive in a company versus like whose, whose goal is like, man, I, I want to become an angel investor, right? I want to be, which is one of my things I'm doing more and more of. And like, man, I, I think I want to lean further into that. So it, again, that's an example of, man, it's a totally different game. Um, I'm less concerned. I mean, actually with a group of guys, it's a whole other conversation, but we're starting another company. I'm I'm actually advocating. No, no, I'm not the guy who should be the CEO. We got a guy who's much better for that for me. I just want to be one of the founders who I helped direct it and guide it. But um, man, I'm, I'm an investor founder. I'm not the CEO. And that, that would have been 
wildly crazy because before what kind of audacity do you have scott to think that you could become the ceo like man i'm gonna figure it out right well that's micro audacity to think hey i'm gonna try to win play this game so well that i become the boss then switch like wait a minute i have the audacity to think i could go play an entirely other game one that um you can't go to school and get a degree for as far as i know like hey there's the angel investor yeah. program right so yeah that hold on there's this there's this great Chris Rock stand-up routine, which just encapsulates what you're saying. Because he's like, Chris Rock is talking about the difference between being rich and being wealthy. And he's like, most of y'all want to be rich. Shaq is rich, right? And this is years ago when Shaquille O'Neal was playing in the NBA. He's like, Shaq is rich. The guy who signs Shaq's check is wealthy. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's a really good way of saying it. Cause somebody hired Shaquille O'Neal to play yeah. basketball for him. And you probably don't know who that guy is, but that guy has crazy more money than Shaquille O'Neal does. And yeah. most of us look at Shaquille O'Neal and say, he's rich. I want to be like him. And it's like, wait a minute. There's another game being played here that mm -hmm. we are not, that most of us don't see. But yeah. it doesn't mean it isn't happening. Yeah, yeah. That's that, right. well, I certainly didn't see that game growing up. Uh, <laughs> nope, me either. So, yes, I'm not yet signing uh, Shaq size checks, but uh, <laughs> but I have the audacity to think I could go get in that game. Um, mm. So yeah. that is one of the ways in a real, like right in the middle of it right now going like, huh. I think I want to aim for something different. And it's less for me about the size. It really does come down to like the kind of role. Um, I, and we've had this conversation individually, but for the podcast, like, I think it fits my wiring even well. I think I'm a good leader. I'm, I've learned how to be a decent boss and CEO, my own company. And I, I'm not going to quit that. But man, there's something about picking a team and seeing the, where the market's heading and kind of that, that next level strategy to set the game up kind of strategy um that man i i think i'm i love even more than i love the the running a company game so yeah that's a that's micro macro for me i'll give one and then I, and then i want to hear i want to hear jay's um i remember i had worked as head of product for two different tech startups um mm -hmm. and tech startups tend to have fairly short life cycles so i was in in each of those for a relatively short period of time. And, you know, my time came to an end and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at job opportunities on, on the internet, right. On, on LinkedIn. And Jonathan, I think you even connected me to some opportunities at, at, a, you know, kind of local fortune 500. And I remember just sitting there and flipping through all these job descriptions and being like, yeah, I'm, I'm qualified for these, but I don't want any of these jobs. And I remember yeah. going downstairs and and telling my wife and saying, I don't think I want a job. And she was like kind of freaking out because, you know, we only had a little bit of cash and, and she's like, we're not going to be able to pay the mortgage in like 60 to 90 days. If you don't get a job, like, what are you doing? And, and I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not saying that I don't want to work. I just don't want a job. And, and she looked at me like she was confused. And I was like, if a job description exists, then the value that I add is significantly diminished. Like if okay. you've figured out what this is, the best things I have to offer are not valuable to you. 
Mm. I want to be in the situation where you don't even know what you need. Like that's where I'm going to be most helpful to you. By the time a job description is written, like I'm probably not the right guy, nor am I interested in it. And so Mm -hmm. that was the, that was the day I realized it's like, I'm a consultant. Like, (laughs) like I'm like, I'm probably not the right guy to take a W-2 job. Um, I'm the guy who need who you need to hire six to 12 months before that W-2 job to help you figure out what's really going on and then help you write that job description mm. so you can hire that person. But I'm much better in that very undefined, very nebulous space that's strategic and tactical and need somebody with a lot of skills, but don't exactly know what that's going to mean. Like that's where I thrive. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that was the game that I decided I needed to play. And I was not going to play a W2 job. At, like that's just not the game that I'm going to win. Or if I win, I'm not going to be satisfied. And so I'm going to play a different game. Yep. That's Jay, good. How about you? How do you how do you decide how how are you macro? Yeah, I think I mean I think similar in some ways. I mean, obviously we all have overlap. I think it's funny that you mentioned that story about Chris Rock because <laughs> I remember having a like I don't think it was with Chris. I don't think it was with what that episode was with Chris Rock. But I remember honestly very vividly as a fifteen year old having that conversation. No, like way. of okay, wait a second. Like, I don't really think I need to be the guy dribbling the basketball. There's a dude that employs all these people. And how do I put that whole thing together? So it's just funny. Um, because I was I, 30 when I realized that. And yeah, was I, re- 15. I really vividly yeah. remember a conversation at 15, you know, similar about that, you know. To, yeah. of how I, I, was, like, I was like 42. So, yeah, pretty pretty similar to you, Jeff. Pretty much yeah, the same. So, sorry. Pretty much. Jonathan, Jonathan was like I'm still discovering old. it. <laughs> I'm still discovering it. I'm, I'm traveling. I still haven't applied we're, it to my normal we're life. All, we're all still discovering I, it. I'm like it's a day old. I think I came into oh, that a little okay. bit differently around – like, honestly, trying to really early, I think so much of where we get from this macro, micro version is we get caught in the thing we see is what we define or compare ourselves to as success. Mm. Like that, that becomes mm. the standard, right? And so as a system, as a society, as an organization, whatever, there's a lot of times that people champion like this is what success looks like, but there's another game going on underneath that. And I think just very early in my life, I had honestly just a lot of great mentors that that were way more around play your own game, create your own life, really get clear at defining what you want to do in your life. And then the rest can be benchmarks, but not standards, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's from a macro standpoint, what I think we're kind of all saying is, you know, hey, did you go to this beach vacation like everybody else? No, I took my family to Japan. You know, hey, I just got back from a a sailing adventure that we sailed a sailboat, you know, across all the kind of British Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands. People do it, but I wouldn't call it a typical trip. 
but it's mm-hmm. something I love doing and it's something I love creating community with other you know couples and things like that. And so we've, we've found a way to be able to do that and to kind of make those experiences happen. So I think we just me, got back, uh, Jay, we just got back from Panama city, yep. not Panama city beach. Yeah. yeah. Panama Florida, city beach. I've been there. Right. Yeah. But Panama city, Panama, central America, where, where we That's spent right. a week in yeah. Panama, uh, which is yeah. uh, to Jonathan, not quite Japan on yeah. the beaten path, but yeah. still kind of like, huh, Panama. But wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of I'll going say, there. Yeah, and that's that's awesome. I think I'd say two things to that, kind of hearkening back a little bit to what Jonathan said. And I've had this at, at every time that I've experienced that. There's been, I think, twofold benefits from it. I think one, as an individual, you get a way different perspective when you get kind of macro audacious on what you can bring back and add value to all the things that you touch. There's things that you can take out of a different group of people, a different society, a different territory, different nation, whatever, different language that you're like, well, wait a second. If I put that twist on what I do here in my world, I'm different in that and people view me differently there. The, but the reverse is true as well of, I remember some consulting that we've done in some definitely some international places. And one of the things that, I, that is a pretty constant theme is like, wow, this is really inefficient. There's like a thousand ways to do this better, right? And they're like, Americans just are like the laziest people we know. You guys find <laughs> the simplest, quickest way to do everything, you know, from just all kind of simple stuff. So your perspective is different there. And I think it allows you, you know, really dual benefit both ways to what you can bring back and what you can offer. And I think that's just from a macro, you know, perspective. It's really just having the confidence to shape, like I can add value both of those ways. I can give, I can take value both of those ways. But um, I think that's something that a lot of people never get to experience or really underestimate because they never kind of get outside of the comfort zone of where they're at, you know, to be able to maybe see their value in different environments or to be able to get value from those environments to bring it back to other places. Yeah. It makes me realize that some of audacity is self-confidence and courage, but, but Jay, I think you hit on a big insight there. Some of audacity is, is even just being exposed to the possibility of other things. Like I, yep. I it didn't occur to me at 15 to be audacious about being an owner because because nobody around me talked about it. Nobody exactly. did it. But my lack of exposure, when I ran across it, like something clicked for me. But like Jonathan, the way you vacation opened a lot of eyes and thoughts and like, well, maybe we need to think differently about this. A lot of a lot of audacity assumes you actually have the, the exposure to it in the first That's place. Right. So That's if you right. want to increase your audacity, maybe one of the things to do is just go expose yourself to lots of different things. Talk to people you might normally not talk to, read outside the normal genres you look at. That's uh, right. Just kind of see what other people are doing. And that might spark some like, oh, snap, there is even another game to play because that's right. you can't be macro audacious if you don't even know there's another game. That's right. And I think... And I think that is one of the reasons, and this is, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is -hmm. that I believe that one of those things is that the less trod path, the less traveled path, like the path I'm going to travel, which my family has taken on traveling, which is our travels, like 
I don't advocate it for everyone. Like even we said, maybe at the top of this thing, like we don't pack check bags. That's not for everyone. But the insights I can bring back from oh, having done that, agrees, Jonathan, by the way, <laughs> yeah, so does mine. <laughs> the the but the insights that I can bring back by doing that, even if you guys aren't doing it yourselves, I can bring back to be like, well, wait a minute, why not this or why not that? And it's not the backpack itself; it's carrying a backpack around the world. And the things that opens my eyes to. And so I think the neat part about macro macro audacity in a group like Alpha Pack is that we get to share the insights from each other's macro audacity in the mm-hmm. sense that like, what are the lessons from the edge? Because each of our edges will be different. And I think that's kind of, you know, kind of gets back to some of these core ideas of it is that I think that there is a prescribed path. And, you know, we talked a little, you guys have all kind of hit on this, but I think that there is an element of on the prescribed path or on the normal way of doing things. Like it's very toll gated. It's very understood. It's very like, Hey, mm. to do this, Hey, you get a high school degree. Oh, to do this, you go get a college degree. Oh, to do this, you go get an MBA. And you're like, well, I've got the MBA. I've got the college degree. When do I get to this thing? It's like, Oh, now you got to do this and you got to do that. And I think that there is a Ma- certain macro audacity said differently there's a lot of gatekeepers toll gates i would say there's a lot of toll Toll gates gates or gatekeepers yeah yeah Mm -hmm. there 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 are there is very little there's very few toll gates on the road less traveled Hmm. but it's one of those things where like you it's like almost you have to have like and this is kind of where some of my macro audacity conversations go many times when i'm doing what i do is people go who said you could do that who gave you permission? I'm like, oh, yes. macro audacity. Like, no, I just decided to do it. And then people, I've had people many times say like, well, right, you just decided to do it. But who said you could do it? Or where did yeah. you, who did, who's, whose path are you following? Did you see right. someone else do it and you're following their path? And you're like, no, I'm doing something completely my own that, that we're learning as we go. And they're like, and, and really that does not compute with a lot of people. Like people are like, wait, you weren't given permission yeah, I, I totally agree. That's what that's what I was saying. You know, a little bit of if you have a mindset more of I'm curious, or I'm really trying to define the path that I want to walk, or feel called to walk, or you know, wherever you sit on that spectrum, I think that it opens doors that a lot of people think they don't have permission to walk through. But there's no one that really has to give you permission as much as you define, hey, this is kind of where I want to see myself going. And then people and mentors and, you know, other partners along that path become perspectives, but not standards, like I said. That's and right. So, and so often, I think people, you know, define, here's the way to win. Here's what the standard of winning looks like. Instead of having their definition of winning or succeeding and then using all these different perspectives in their life to shape their path to that. Um, and right. I think that's really what we're kind of talking about with macro ed audacity. Hmm. You've been listening to the alpha pack podcast to learn more about how you can implement the strategies and insight discussed in today's episode. Make sure to check out the show notes page and follow the pack on www.alphapackcommunity.com. Until next time. We hope you settle for nothing less than making the world better than the way you found it. Stay alpha.